I have learned in life that when you hear a certain phrase or a word or an ideal that is uh, spoken over and over within a short, short period of time to listen to that. And, you know, whatever your faith background is, or if you have one, or if you don't, that's uh, something is speaking to you, someone or something is speaking to you. And so I've learned, you know, this happened to me back in 2017, it happened the first time. And I was really in tune and I was able to hear it. And thank goodness I did. There was a three things happened. One was something I read that mentioned this idea of gratitude. And then for years, people, friends of mine had been telling me, you need to watch The Secret or you need to to read The Secret. There was a book out. It, it was all the rage, um, all the rage for quite a while. It was called The Secret. I never read it, but they said, hey, you know what? It might be something that you want to read. And so uh, it came out on Netflix. And so I thought, well, instead of reading it, I'll, I'll watch this. It's right here. Drastically transformed my life because in it, it, it speaks a great deal about gratitude. And then that same weekend, I come from the, the Christian faith background. That's how I see and view the world. And it, it was a weekend or two later that a friend of mine who was on staff at a pretty large church here in San Diego County, he was given a message that weekend. It was around Thanksgiving. I think it was the weekend before Thanksgiving. And he was given the talk that weekend and he talked about gratitude. And I said, my goodness, three different uh, avenues, three different modes of communication. One was something that I read. Another was a movie on Netflix. Another was a message. Um, from a church here in San Diego County, all of them talked about this idea of gratitude. So I pulled on it. I listened to it. I said that there's a message in here, drastically transformed my life. Um, Up until that time, you could have said a lot of things about me. Um, a, a, A lot of words may have come to define me, but gratitude would not have been one of those words until... November 2017, and now everything in my life is bookended by gratitude. I say all that to say this. In the last three weeks, there's a new word that has kind of come up, and it's word, it's this idea of cooperation, people, the importance of people on our walks. And so here's how this, here's how this worked out. I'm reading a book called Sapiens. And on page 46, I'm, I'm way past that now, but, but on page 46, I, I think I read this last week, there was a passage in, in here that talked about this idea of, of cooperation and people, small bands of people, how when we look at the history of mankind, uh, humans have always been wired to be around people. So that was one of them. And then another one was a, um, a podcast that a friend of mine sent to me. Uh, a week ago, and a gentleman by the name of Ryan Holiday, and I actually, I just found his podcast just this morning, actually, it's called The Daily Stoic, and uh, so he talks a lot about this idea of stoicism, this philosophy of stoicism, so 
I heard about him before, of course, but I, I'd never listened to an entire podcast and, and I listened to him and it was a game changer that day. Um, I was actually struggling, uh, struggling a little bit with motivation. And by the, by the end of that podcast, I sent, I sent a text message to my buddy and I said, man, I just cleaned the entire house. I got everything ready. I scheduled my next entire week. I, you know, I was just so fired up by listening to him. But when he talked about this idea of stoicism, I said, well, you know, I studied this in college a little bit, but let me go research this a little bit, uh, you know, just some basic internet research. And so I, I found this article, the nine core stoic beliefs off of the web's website, the daily stoic. And so I'll link to that in the show notes. But as you're going to see here today, it speaks a lot about this idea of cooperation. And then I was listening to a podcast, and I'll kind of wrap up with, with this at the end of our podcast today. I was listening to a podcast that featured a pastor and a country singer, and they talked about the importance of people. So I'll get to that here in just a second. But I want to start with this book, Sapiens, and read for you, I think it's about a paragraph and then we'll discuss it, and, and, and then I want to move on to this idea of stoicism and the responsibility, and this is what it talks about, the responsibility that we have towards other people. So here we go, page 46 in this book, Sapiens. Members of a band knew each other very intimately and were surrounded throughout their lives by friends and relatives. I, I love this next line right here. Loneliness and privacy were rare. Neighboring bands probably competed for resources and even fought one another, but they also had a uh, but they also had friendly contacts. They exchanged numbers, hunted together, traded rare luxuries, celebrated religious festivals, and joined forces against foreigners. Such cooperation was one of the most important or was one of the important trademarks of Homo sapiens, and it gave it a crucial edge over other human species. So this book really uh, highly recommend you get this book, but this book talks about the fact that at some point on human history, thousands of years ago, there were different species of humans that existed. Not all of them were, you know, there were Neanderthals and there's several other names that I can't remember what they are, so I'm I'm not you know they're all here in this book, so I, I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to guess, but one of those species uh, of humans were Homo sapiens, and if you read the book, it talked about several reasons why Homo sapiens won out because now all humans on Earth are Homo sapiens. You know there aren't six different uh, uh, versions of human beings. It might feel like that sometimes, but but we're all Homo sapiens. I think I heard something the other day that I was listening to, and it and it um, I could be wrong on this again, but I believe that they said something along these lines of ninety nine point seven percent of us, something like that, in all human beings, uh, is the same, is common, and it's it's this little thing called skin color, and maybe a you know a couple other things, but that divides us, you know, our language and how we speak. Uh, but those smaller things divide us, but almost everything else within the human body is common with your neighbor, common with your people. That's what it was. Um, 
in addition to the three things I mentioned earlier, there was a, before I hopped on the podcast here, I was thinking about what was the fourth, uh, fourth, um, fourth piece of content that I was listening to. And it was a message by another pastor. He was talking about this idea of racial unity. And if I can find in my notes, what he said, I'll bring that out. It's somewhere over here. Um, so going back to sapiens, this is what he's talking about. One of the traits that made homo sapiens win out over the other was this idea of, of cooperation. Sometimes relations with neighboring bands were tight enough that together they constituted a single tribe sharing a common language, common myths, and common norms and values. So that's that's really what brings people together or separates people. A lot of times we tend to think it has to do with, with skin color. Well, but there are, you know, there are different, you know, races, there are different continents, there are different countries. What brings people together are these ideas of single tribe, common language, right? The common myths. So that's storytelling. What stories do you believe? For instance, in the religious world, there are Christians that would all believe a certain story. And there are other Christians, you know, that would believe a different story. Uh, there are other faiths who, you know, faiths who do not have the same beliefs as Christians, and they have their own stories that they believe. So common myths, and then common norms and values. These are the things that drive us together. You know, you talk about this idea of culture and leadership, and I'm sure we'll get back to this at some point, but this is what brings people together. Common language, common myths, which, which are common uh, stories. Uh, and the beliefs around those stories, and then common norms and values. I love that line where it says this, there were uh, loneliness and privacy were rare. So back in the day when you had these small bands that, that were living together, and they lived pretty much a nomadic life, kind of moving from place to place as seasons changed and as food sources changed. They, they just kept on the move, um, and it was all about survival. So that was interesting to me, this idea of, um, of togetherness and how they came together. And then I went to, so let's move to this idea of the Stoics. So again, I was listening to Ryan Holiday, and he was talking about this idea of um, stoicism and how it, it relates to his life and motivation and, and discipline for future goals and dreams. And so I went and researched the stoic, stoic beliefs. And again, I found this, the nine core stoic beliefs. Number one is this, if you want a smooth flow of life, live according to nature. So here's what I have highlighted. At the core of stoic teaching is the founder Zeno or Zeno. I might be saying that wrong. Zeno's uh, idea that a smooth flow of life comes from living in agreement with nature. The Stoics saw an entirely material universe that was shot through with reason and purpose, a great world city of human beings that were connected to it and each other as both rational and social creatures. Zeno was the first, or Zeno was the first philosopher to treat duty as a central concern, our obligation to act appropriately in our given roles in family and society. And it was no accident that as a consequence, he taught that we were obligated to participate in public life until we are unable. So this idea that it's not just about uh, you, 
It's about living in accordance to nature. And part of this idea is living in this large global city. There are people that surround you and me. It's not just you and me in a vacuum. It's not just you in a vacuum or me in a vacuum. We were obligated, we are obligated to participate in public life until we are unable. So it's not about using your gifts and your talents to enrich yourself. Now, you may be enriched as a part of that, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, but that's not the, that's not the sole goal. The sole goal is to live in unity with those other people in what we call the global city. Rule number seven says this, no man is an island, and they call this the stoic golden rule. No man is an island, and, and here's what it says. Beginning with an individual's capacity for self, self-perception and its related drive for self, self-preservation, Hierocles, he's talking about this gentleman by the name of Hierocles, again, I could be saying this name wrong, moves to connect that personal sphere of interest to the social sphere, the interest of other people. So there's personal interest that you and I have, and then there's this idea of um, the social sphere. So you got the personal sphere, and you have the social sphere. So the personal you know, sphere is your world, it's my world, and the social sphere obviously is it's 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 the public it deals with the interest of other people hierocles turns the previous stoic dis- discussions of what is fitting or appropriate into a challenge to see and practice an ethics that connects the two poles of of appropriation the personal and the social so again it's not just about you it's you within the realm of the social our, and now watch this. Here's what this means. Our individual interests are bound up because of our fundamental, rational, and social nature with the interest and concerns of others. Try as we might to live in a world dominated by our own interests. We will suffer and fail to realize our humanity unless we are constantly working to connect our sphere of concern with the concerns of others. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's it's about being bound up in this world. And so my concerns have to do with the concerns of others. You know, and this goes back to, as a leadership podcast, uh, this goes back to this idea of leadership and business. What uh, What is the purpose of leadership? It's to put the interest of the organization ahead of your own. And in doing so, putting the interest of the, of the, uh, of, of the employees, of the people who work for you, the people on your team, putting their interest above your own interest. That's hard to do for anybody. It's very hard to do for insecure people. But that's what we're called to do. Constantly working to connect our sphere of concern with the concerns of others. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, that if you want to be successful in life or business, this is what you have to do. What are the concerns of others? And then you work to meet those concerns. And as you work to meet those concerns, success begins to happen for you. And it goes back to something that we'll say here in, in, in just a few uh, moments between the uh, the conversation between the pastor and the country singer. 
So don't let me forget that. I want to make sure we talk about this. Your concerns wrapped up in the concerns of others. Number eight in this article that talks about the nine core Stoic beliefs. Number eight says this, our, our, our personal development is bound up in cooperation with others. What that means is simply this. Your personal development is not just about you, and it can't be done with just you. So you can't pursue this idea of personal development and becoming better and stronger and faster in just, just by hanging out with yourself. You've got to do it in, in company, in companionship, in cooperation with other people. And, and, and here's what he has to say. Because of the work done by Chrysippus, Antipater, and Hierocles to build an ethical system that turned on an unbreakable connection between our self-interest and the interest of others, the Stoics were always positively focused on active social engagement with an eye towards cooperation. And then it goes on to write this, no Stoic reflected this orientation in his writing more than the emperor Marcus Aurelius. There are more than 80 references in the meditations to the common good. So the meditations, um, it's a book by, again, Marcus Aurelius. Highly recommend that you get this. It's a great book for any leader to read. For anybody who wants to work on this idea of personal mastery, which is what we've been talking about on the podcast. But there's more than 80 references to this idea of the common good in this book, a phrase that appears on nearly every page of the work. Marcus wrote that every morning he would wake up, watch this, he would wake up and think of all the troublesome people he would encounter that day, but then sternly remind himself that because he knew the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil, he would focus instead on how they were really his family and that we were all made for cooperation. That's beautiful. Again, it comes back to this idea of cooperation. We were all made for, for cooperation. So the person that we don't like, the person we can't stand, it's to begin to ch- change our mindset around them and say, this person, I need to see them as I would see my own family. And really, I need to see everybody that I come into contact with as family. And understand that we're all made for cooperation. My success is tied up in the success of other people. The other people, their success is tied up in my own success. So we have to work together for the common good. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about something small like, I love to work out, and it's something I need to constantly be getting better and better at you know, doing, but it's something I do seven days a week. It's one of those things that because of, I believe mental health is uh, so important. And I found that for me, at least for me personally, uh, my mental health is strong when I'm moving my body. So I'm exercising. I'm at, and if you saw me, you would realize I'm not some, you know, I'm not saying this so you're impressed with who I am. I'm definitely not some bodybuilder type of a person, but I do it more for mindset. But when I go into the gym or I hop in the swimming pool or I go for a hike or a run, one of the greatest things that could possibly happen is this idea of competition so that other people come around. And, you know, when I hop in the pool to do laps, it's fun when I have the entire pool to myself, but I'm 10 times better when there's someone in the lane next to me. And it's almost like we start racing, you know, who can beat each other from one into the pool to the next. And you've probably been there before you get on the, uh, you know, you get on the treadmill 
and and you're doing it by yourself and you can kind of be lazy and kind of take your time with it. And then somebody hops on next to you. Ooh, okay. Now I need to step my game up. And then you're in a race with each other. And I've had that one time where somebody got, I'll never forget this. I forget where this was. I think this was in Norco. This was years ago. I, I, I lived in a town called Norco near Corona, California, and they had a, a, an LA fitness there. And I remember I got on the, uh, I got on the treadmill and this gentleman next to me uh, started running faster. So I started running faster. He started running faster, 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 and longer. And I was exhausted, but I told myself, I'm not getting off this treadmill till the guy next to me is done. I about killed myself that day, but I lasted on the treadmill longer than he did. But, but I'll tell you this, had he not been on that treadmill next to me? And again, this is years ago. This is years ago. This is before I moved to San Diego, which was like 15 years ago, 13, 14 years. So this is years ago. And I'm still remembering that moment on the treadmill because there was something about him, uh, him being on that, that really pressed me to go even harder, to go faster. And, and uh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. So again, this idea of personal development, it's not just, it, it, it's not about you, number one. It, it's about being better for the larger society. But then number two, this idea that we can become our highest versions of ourselves without other people, that's just a false, uh, that's just a false reality. That's a false way of thinking. We are better because of the people who surround us. Uh, small story. I'll say this, and it's kind of a humorous story. So right now, um, uh, one of my, I, I do a myriad, a myriad of things. And one of the things I do is I uh, help lead the music for a church. I, I lead our music department, a decent sized church, and I love what I have a chance to do. And um, I put on this shirt today, so I'm so I'm on stage, you know, pretty much every weekend, and I'm up there on the platform. And so part of that is you got to look decent, you know, you got to look good. And so I put on the shirt today, and I'm thinking, man, I look good. I love this shirt. I got the shirt a while, and I, anytime I want to look nice, I put that shirt on. I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. And I'm getting ready to walk in. And we've got a couple guys who run our cameras and they're incredible. Andres and Isaac. And uh, they are, uh, I consider them dear friends. And so we have on our team and I lead this. It's very important to me, this idea of radical truth, radical transparency. And what this means is that uh, we tell the truth about each other because we believe in blind spots and we believe that, you know what? Uh, you're going to see things that I can't see and I'll see things that you can't see. And so again, I put the shirt on. I'm like, man, I look good today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be killing it on that platform in this outfit. Right before I go up, one of the camera guys pulls me aside. And I'm not going to tell you which one, but he pulls me aside. He said, Hey man, I just want to give you some honest feedback. And again, we have a culture on that team. That's radical truth, radical transparency. And he said, when you wear that shirt, it does not look good on you. It, and he just explained it. And I'm not going to go into all that, <laughs> but it was, I said, I mean, you, you know, a lesser person, maybe, you know, who hasn't, you know, done as much work as I have on myself would, would, would be really offended by what he said. You know, he said, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make you look good at all. Like there's nothing about that shirt that you're wearing right now. You start sweating and we can see it in there and you know, you're, you know, your, your, your curves. And, and as a, as a male, you know, you don't want all the curves that, <laughs> you know, that I got, he said, start showing off your curves. And he said, you don't want it, man. It doesn't look good. So you can wear it today if you want. Now I live now, luckily I live like two minutes away from, from, 
from this location. So immediately when I got, when, when we got done, you know, getting prepared, I zoomed, you know, zoomed right back to my house and got changed, but I appreciated about that. And, and even though that, that stung to hear that, that hurt a little bit to hear that what he was doing was helping make me better. So again, it goes back to this idea that, uh, this idea of reaching your full potential, it cannot be done by just you alone. You've got to have people around you who see the weaknesses that you can't see. This is one of the reasons why when, when, when people get too offended by criticism, uh, now, now I have a lot of compassion for that because I understand that I've been there before. You know, we all get defensive. We think a certain way about ourselves. Like I thought, man, I'm killing it in this shirt. This, and it's not the one I'm wearing right now, by the way. But I thought I'm killing it in this shirt and I look good in this shirt, man, you know, and I've been going to the gym and so I'm starting to feel really good, you know, and had I gone up on that platform that day and then I asked uh, other people, I said, you know what? Okay, that's good feedback. And again, we have this team that has this mindset of radical truth, radical transparency. So I asked a couple other members of the team. I said, hey, give me your feedback. Both of them said, yeah, that's probably, that's not your best shirt. You almost look like it, it looks like a workout shirt. It looks like something you'd go to the gym in. <laughs> this is like one of my nicest shirts I'm thinking, right, at, at the moment. But thank goodness they stepped up and they said that to me. And then I was able to run home and put on a different shirt than the one I have on now. And I felt much better about being on the platform. And, and we probably look better as a team without, you know, you know, the guy up there with his workout shirt on. Because I'm sure if they're thinking it, everybody else is thinking about it. So, again, we cannot reach full, uh, our full and highest self, our full and highest self, unless we are in cooperation with other people. Last thing I want to say about this idea of people. Well, actually, before I say that, I, I want to say this. I've got this message. So I was listening to, his name is Miles McPherson, and he's a local pastor here in San Diego. And I was listening to him talk about, you know, we've been in this season talking about, you know, racism. And I was listening to him, and uh, he wrote a book recently called The Third Option. And I love this. Um, group, and he said he has so many good points, and you can find these somewhere on the internet. If you just look up Michael, or not Michael, Miles McPherson, the, the third option, he gives a, a ton of talks. But I love that he said these, this line right here. Rename people as brother or sister, not as those people, right? And so in this journey to become more unified and hopefully less, less racist, to understand our unconscious bias that we come to the table with, Begin to not look at people who look differently than you, who look in a different neighborhood, who, who live in a different neighborhood from you, who are in different areas, instead of seeing them as those people over there. Uh, you know, again, it goes back to what we just read about the Stoics. It's about this idea of we're all family. And these are my brothers and these are my sisters. And when we begin to approach life from that perspective, um, that brings greater healing. And that brings a greater awareness and a desire to help people. Again, when I see that my success is tied up in your success, then I'm going to want you to succeed. That's the one thing I love about a team atmosphere is uh, this idea that when the team wins, everybody wins. If you walk into a situation and it's this, you know, and some cultures do this and they do it really well and it works for the people on that team. It works for the people within that culture. They're very much an eye focused, you know, culture where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a sales organization where on Friday uh, they list 
everybody and what your sales were and what your numbers were and one through, you know, 25 or whatever. And so you can clearly see every single day who's leading the pack and who's not. Well, in those kind of cultures, and again, I'm not down on those because it works for some people. You have to know if that's a culture for you. But in those kind of cultures, you're not going to see a lot of teamwork. Why? Because I don't want your success because your success does not equal my success. As a matter of fact, your success means I have not been as successful. And so you're going to do whatever you can to help take someone down because the, the, the further down you go, that's one more spot that you get to move up, right? So again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not down on that because there are some cultures that work extremely well that way. But this idea of, of cooperation has everything to do with you know, this idea of your success becomes mine. And so I want you to succeed. I want to empower you. I want you to empower me. I want you to hope for my best and I want to hope for your best because if that's the mindset that we carry and in organizations that have that kind of uh, uh, mindset or teams that have that kind of mindset, it, it's, it's never about one individual person. Now, you may have some superstars on there, you know, some superstars on there, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having superstars. I can't stand when I hear people talk about, you know, this idea of, you know, nobody should be standing out, Right. Everybody should be the same or, you know, um, I'd, I'd rather have a team of mediocre people or, you know, rather than have a bunch of egos. Well, how about if you had a bunch of egos and that were extremely talented, but you could get them all on the same page going in the same direction? That actually would be 10 times better than have a bunch of mediocre people, in my opinion, in my honest opinion. So I wanted to read that. And then to, to wrap up JC thoughts for this week, I was listening to the country singer and the um, uh, the country singer and the pastor, and they were on a podcast together. If I can find it, I'll link to it. And a statement was made. He was talking about, so again, it goes back to this idea of, of connecting our sphere with the concerns, our sphere of concern with the concerns of others. If we make their concerns our concerns, we try to meet those concerns, that's where we find success. And so he was talking about this idea about early on in, 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 in his career, somebody schooled him on why we do this. So he started off very young with his family, and they were traveling around the country, and they were singing and doing these concerts. So when you do that with that kind of a lifestyle, you know, you buy a bus or a motorhome and you've got to load, you've got to unload and you've got to set up and you got to tear down and you got to be at the product table and you got to do the money and you got to be making the phone calls so you can book yourself in the next city so that you have funds and you've got a place to go sing and that money's coming in. Like all that's a part of the game. It's, it's this business. And so if you're in that world, and I actually did that for a few years, way before I came to San Diego, I did that for, for a little bit. And, and, it is a hustle lifestyle. You're constantly looking for the next gig. And if you're not careful, you begin to see people as it's just a gig. This, this place I'm walking into, the, uh, these are just people and it's just a gig. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and, I, you know, I just need them to buy my albums. I need, me, I need them to buy the music and, and the merch. Why that puts money in my pocket and then I'm going to get back on the bus or car, whatever it is. And we're going to go to the next town and you just begin. And he talked about the importance of somebody schooled him and said, you know what? Every night when you go out and you go out, you know, to sing and you go out to lay yourself down in front of all these people, I want you to understand that all these people in this room, they gave up a night to come see you, to come be a part of you. Your job, he's talking to the singer, he says, your job 
is then to help them uh, in whatever issue they have. Obviously, as a singer, you know, you can't change the political world. You probably can't pay their bills. Matter of fact, they're paying you, you know, to come and listen to you sing. You know, you probably can't pay their bills. You you probably can't take away the cancer, you know, or the, you know, the diagnosis that that some of them just got. You you can't take away the divorce and the heartbreak, but you can give them a respite of one to two hours where they get to escape the world and you can help them dream again and you can help them feel the loss and move through that pain. So when they walk away from you, when they walk away from your concert that night, there's something broken that has been a little bit more healed inside of them. And and I tell that to, to our team, the music team, you know, at the church where I work that even if we're grumpy and we're upset, and we're not wanting to be on the platform that weekend. It's not about us. There's always every single week, there's going to be someone that walks through those doors and they've come and they're at the end of their rope. And why we do what we do uh, is because of that person. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I can think about 20 years ago in my past where I was that person walked in and I had the worst week of my life. And I remember the music kicked up and through the message and through all of that, through this faith community I'd found, I was inspired to get back out and move forward towards that next week. It's all about the people. That's the point I'm trying to make. It is all about the people. So whatever it is that you do this week, whether you're in the healthcare field, it's not about the money you make. It's about the people you serve. Whether you're changing tires for a living changing the brakes, you know, you're putting oil in cars and and you're getting people moving so they can get to their jobs and they can go pick up their kids and they can go visit kids and, you know, they can go to the store and, you know, have, have the life they need. It's all about the people. If you're a teacher like I am and you've got students that are sitting in front of you, it, it's about them and their learning. If you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, It's about your children. It's about laying down your life for those kids. If you're a writer, it's as you're writing out that that piece of paper, you know, maybe you're writing for a book or you're writing for a song. It's keeping the, the audience in mind. What are their pains and what are their heartbreaks and how do I help them solve these pains and these heartbreaks? Whatever it is that you do for a living, It's not just about what we get to take from it. And I'm speaking to myself right now. I have to constantly remind myself of this point right here. It's not just about me. It is about the people we serve. It's everything that we're talking about today. Throughout history, cooperation has been what we have survived upon. It is why the homo sapien race has lasted more than any other human race. Species, I should say. Why? Because of this idea of banding together, of cooperating with one another. True success is found in cooperation and relationship with other people. I've heard multiple people say it. I want to say one last thing, and I want to come back to the faith community. I talk a lot about the faith community because that's kind of where I'm at. A few years ago, um, I went and I talked with a lady here uh, in, in San Diego. She was on staff at another faith community, a church. 
And she did what was called first impression. So anytime you walk into it, you know, there's a lot of science that goes into a lot of art and science that goes into when you walk into faith community, they want you to feel comfortable. So a lot of intention goes into that. And if you walk in one and you feel really, really good, that just didn't happen. There's a lot of intentional planning that goes into that, you know, planning the campus layout, planning how you walk in, planning who's standing at the front door, who's not, what music you're listening to as you walk in, the color scheme, the lighting, all of that goes into the coffee, the taste of it, all of that goes into helping you when you walk. It's just like any other store, a Starbucks or an Ikea, whatever. They want you to come back, right? So it's the same thing. So I went and I talked to a lady who was in charge of the first impressions for a very successful, very large faith community. And we had a great conversation. And I remember at the end of it, I don't know what I asked her. Maybe I asked her why you do what you do. You know, why is this important to you? And she shared a story. And I'm going to end with this story. She shared a story. She said that uh, one time, and she'd kind of forgotten about it because it's just all these people coming through and you're just trying to get them in, try to get them, you know, into the service, try to get them parked and all this stuff. And uh, she said at one point there was a lady that came through and in spite of the thousands of people that were coming through on campus that, that, that day, she noticed this person. Maybe this person noticed her. I don't know how the story shook out. But somehow at the end of the service, they came and found her. And she shared the story. She said, thank you for making tonight so good for me. She said it was a Saturday. And right before, as she was driving to get in the car, someone had showed up at her doorstep and they handed her a, a, an envelope and they served her papers for her divorce. She was on her way to church and she was getting papers served to her for her divorce. She sat in the car and said, what am I going to do now? This kind of came as a shock to her. I think they were struggling, but she didn't realize that it was that. I think they were separated, but she didn't see that coming. And she thought, I can go back inside the house or I can get to the... Anyway, whatever happened, she made it to the church and sat through the music, sat through the message and said there was something about that event and that, that night that helped her realize that she can get back up and she can keep moving forward. And she came and she told this, this friend of mine that with tears in her eyes, she said, thank you for what you do. And, and my friend was leading the team of volunteers, you know, and just, you know, and she said that moment right there transformed everything I did because then I realized every person comes to this location with the story. And again, this is the same thing for all of you. I don't care what it is you do for a living. A lot of times when people come to us, we see what we see in front of us. What we don't see is a story that brought them there. We don't see, for some, the broken childhood that they had. We don't see the pain that they had with one of their parents, maybe who walked out on them. We don't see the the broken relationship with one of their sisters, or we don't see someone who passed away who they cared about deeply, and, 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 and now they're gone. You know, we don't see the diagnosis that they just that they just received. We don't know about the pain that they're going through, the divorce papers that they just were served. And so they come to you, you know, wherever you are, maybe you're, you know, a customer service rep or, you know, you're you're creating some kind of a, you know, a product you're innovating. You know, you're creating something on the very end of that innovation, on the very end of that creativity. There's a person on the other end of that. And this is why we do what we do. 
everything we do is for the people. And I think the older I get, the more I'm beginning to understand this. It's never about you. I mean, it is. Of course, you have to pay your bills. You got to take care of your family, right? You can't forget yourself on all of this. But I'm learning in life, the greatest way to pursue success in life is to put the needs and concerns of other people above your own. Figure out what their needs are, what their concerns are, and do your best to meet those. And in this, you will find success. That's all I got for you today, this idea of cooperation. We went, we went much longer than I thought we were going to go today, but this is so important. And again, if there's a lesson here for me, and again, as I'm talking to you today, I'm talking to myself. If there's a lesson that I've been listening to in the past two to three weeks, it's this idea of people first always. And that's our, that's our motto, JC Consulting, JC and Company, people first always. Everything we do, every podcast we put out, every, everything that we write, and you know, every piece of content that we try to get out there, it's about the people first. And I want to ask that you join me on that. Hold me accountable to that. Um, And hopefully this podcast, if you're listening on a regular basis, will help hold you accountable to that as well. We are nothing without the people who surround us, without the cooperation of the people and our cooperation with the people who are around us. Thanks so much for listening today. I look forward to seeing you this coming week on another episode of JC Talks and Friday, an episode of JC Thoughts. I'll see you soon.